Blog Talk Radio. You are now listening to CLNS Radio, your source for all things basketball. You cannot stop this guy. This guy is unbelievable right now, and with the way he's playing, he's played an outstanding brand of basketball. You're trying to tell me he's not the next best thing? What are you hearing? Man, all I know is this guy can fall, and if you can come out and play with him, you can play with anybody in the league. I want your opinion. Call into the show. Why don't you drive the rack? Seriously, why don't people drive the rack more often? Fed up with this cookie-cutter brand of basketball, not go out and hand check. What are you comparing? The guy's got grit. The guy's got moxie, and the guy's got heart. What more do you want? Broadcast through Blog Talk Radio and CLNS Radio. They gonna me for my ambition. Welcome to the Hooper's Log. Here's your host, Simo Buck. They gonna me for my ambition. Here we are, episode 91, Selection Sunday has wrapped up, and the tournament bracket is complete with all 68 teams, and we're here to give it to you on a Selection Sunday special on the Hooper's Log, here through CLNS Radio in the Seat Geek Studios. My name is Seymour Buckets, Andrew Norris is here with me, 10 p.m. Eastern here on March 13th, 2016. Selection Sunday is here. Every single automatic bid is in the books. Every single team that needs to be in the tournament is in the tournament. And we are here to give it to you through CLNS Radio on the Blog Talk Radio uh, selection area where we got it going here. Guaranteed, uh, we we are given 90 minutes to talk about this. We will not go 90 minutes. We'll probably more likely go 30 minutes to an hour and really give you our breakdown of what we saw in Selection Sunday and what to expect in the world of college basketball. Uh, Selection Sunday 2016 ended here just a minute ago, and we are back here on the Hooper's Log. Andrew Norris is in with me. Andrew, what's up, man? What is going on? I am uh, excited as always. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. You sound great. Okay. All right. I am excited as always on Selection Sunday. Um, here is where this is what my life will be until that first game tips off. I will be at work or I will be at home researching. Um, I'm excited to talk about what we're going to research, things along those lines. I'm also excited for you guys to go ahead and join our NCAA tournament ESPN bracket challenge. Okay, the winner is one, going to get to come on the show, and two, we're going to find something else to get out to you. Uh, bumper stickers, maybe a hat, maybe a shirt, something along those lines. We'll figure it out. Just go join. It's just, I believe it's just called, hold on, let me get back to it. I think it's, I just named it the Hooper's Log, or Hooper's Log, actually. Um, just put your name in. Yeah, the group is called The Hooper's Log. Pretty simple. Put your name in. Uh, tweet us when you enter so we can know. We'll retweet it. And uh, try to win a prize. Try to get on the show so you can come gloat here a little bit. Yeah, it's going to be uh, – absolutely. If you'd like to call into the show today, too, the phone number in the SeatGeek studio is 323-642-1558 is the number. And, again, uh, here on the Hooper's Log, uh, we do have our ESPN Tournament Challenge coming for you. Uh, again, if you'd like to join that, search in the group section, the Hooper's Log, and please feel free to do so. And, again, if you win, you can come on the show 
and uh, gloat and, and brag about how you got anything. And if you go perfect in the first round, please feel free to call in and do that too. Cause, or the first weekend of basketball or what have you, because it's going to be nuts. I don't know if anyone's going to get this perfect this year. I mean, I've been looking at many of the games the first within the brackets going on. It's just insane. Like the first three games coming up, the first four. I mean, they're, you know, you obviously got Holy Cross, Southern. We'll get into it more. but We'll talk about the first four games briefly. But uh, the, there is some there is some controversy, not some major, not not you know not headline crazy controversy that I think the media is trying to blow it up to be because this is this is a year, I think this is the first year in in college basketball, the first year in college basketball that I can remember where really uh, I don't really have much of a debate or an argument bef- between who didn't get in and who got in, um, but the the brackets are out. We're going to break them down for you, and we're going to give you a bunch of other stuff here on the Hooper's Log to get you ready for college basketball. Andrew, you ready to get it going? Let's do it. Let's get it done. All right, all right, all right. You're going to learn today. Let's break down the number one bracket in the field when it comes to the, uh, when it comes to the field of 68. Uh, Kansas will play Austin PA, the number one versus the number 16 seed in the bracket, and uh, we are going to look at it now. I'm trying to get the bracket up here, uh, obviously, as we have all these things going on. Uh, just a ton of stuff, ton of news flying through the phones. Uh, but Kansas will play Austin PA. Austin PA obviously won their conference championship as they won the, uh, as they won the Ohio Valley Conference Championship. They were the low, one of the lowest-seeded teams in that conference championship, and they will be facing Kansas, who is uh, dominantly, more dominantly – the number one team in the tournament. Colorado will play UConn in the 9-8 game in that bracket as well. I think this is one of the better games we're going to see. The winner of their conference tournament in UConn winning in the, uh, in the, Amer- in the American Conference getting it done there. Obviously, they're going to go on Maryland, one of the cold teams in the Big, in the Big Ten, but one of the best teams in the Big Ten talent-wise at number five playing South Dakota State where South Dakota State found a way to get it done in the Summit League Championship. They go on and they face one another. Cal facing Hawaii. Cal is one of those teams where, again, a really young, talented team playing really good basketball in the, big, in the Pac-12. They're going to go on and play the, uh, the, uh, the, the Big West champions in Hawaii, who dominated all year in the Big West. Arizona will play the winner of Vanderbilt and Wichita State, one of the, good, one of the really, really good first four games we have for the NCAA tournament, Arizona, obviously one of the seven teams coming out of the, the Pac-12 to play in the tournament. Miami will play Buffalo. Miami clearly great defensively. Buffalo winning their conference tournament in the mid in the MAC, big time stuff there. Iowa be playing Temple. They'll play them, and then Villanova plays UNC Asheville. This is to me, Andrew. We talked about it before we got on the show, but this to me, Andrew, is the the, the most. I think this is a tough bracket, but it is nowhere near some of the other brackets we have in front of us. Kansas, it looks like, has a relatively easy schedule to go through. They may have a tough team like Maryland or Cal to face, uh, and then down the line, Villanova will be tough defensively, and Miami's kind of eh, but a lot of inconsistency from a lot of these teams in this bracket outside of a team like Kansas. Everyone else has seemed kind of eh throughout the year realistically. Obviously, Villanova is one of those teams that is the number two seed in this bracket, but if you look all time at number two seeds, generally they're like obvious number, they're obvious top ten teams who are number two seeds. Villanova this year has found a way to come, go in and out of the top twenty-five and in and out of the top ten on numerous occasions. They couldn't even win their conference tournament 
this year as obviously Seton Hall beat them. It's it's one of those interesting things that we see here in the first round of the tournament for the South Bracket. Is there anything you want to say about the South Bracket before we move on to these other ones? Yeah, um, a few things. I, I think uh, Arizona's got to be happy. I think any team that draws a first four game uh, against them is always happy because you're getting the team that just played the day before or two days before at yeah. most. Um, I think I think something you really want to look at in, in this region is Miami versus Buffalo. Um, neither team can shoot the three ball well, but if you remember back to last year, Buffalo gave West Virginia a huge scare in the first round. Um, now, Buffalo against top 25 teams has been um, awful, to say the least, uh, losing by 20-plus points in each of the three games they had. But, you know, it, it's a team that had the experience last year. They didn't have any any NBA players leave. I believe four out of five starters returned. And they're a team where six people score the ball. Um, there, there's a whole bunch of ball movement, a whole bunch of people scoring. And I think in this game it's going to come down to who can make more threes. Neither team shoots it well. Like I said, both teams below 33% from three. Um, and, and I think I think Miami's still going to win this. I think you'll see a big game from Sheldon McClellan. But I think Buffalo yeah. is really going to give them a run for their money, and I think it's something you got to take watch out for. Um, you know, defense, one thing teams don't run into that run these high-pressure defenses like Miami does is the other yeah. teams aren't going to try to play defense as with as much passion and heart as you do in the regular season. Come tournament time, these teams are going to be giving you just as much defense right back. So that's why the, the high-pressure right. defense is in Miami's not a full-court press team, but uh, I think that they always don't always make it even into the Sweet 16 when you expect them to. So I think Buffalo's going to give them a scare. And, hey, I believe each of the last four or five years, a 14 has beat a three. And, you know, yeah. that's that's the one right now that I think stands out the most. Maybe SF Austin and West Virginia will get into that later. But I think uh, Buffalo's got a real shot in this one. Chris, you there? All right, I think we lost Chris. Um, I'm sure he'll be back on in a second. Uh, moving on to the West. Oregon, uh, one seed, you know, many people don't expect it. Oregon's not the Dukes, not the Kentuckys, not the Michigan States, um, but they have, they've been tremendous this year. Um, they're rolling into the tournament. Champions, uh, I, I want to say they're 28-5. and five. Um and, and I mean, they're let's see, they're five and one against the top twenty-five. Hold their opponents under seventy points a game, which is always huge. And, and they're a team that you know who can make a run um, deep, or you know can kind of just be that one seed that gets upset in the round of thirty-two. Um, Cincinnati's playing St. Joe's. Don't sleep on St. Joe's. This is a good basketball team who's got a shot against. Cincinnati. Um, the West, I think this is probably the hardest win. Absolutely. St. Joe's and Cincinnati. So you're back, Chris? Okay, so let me just finish up here. So St. Joe's and Cincinnati, yep. I think, is a game that is going to capture all of our imaginations and really kind of go the distance. And I also think Yale is a damn good basketball team. I, I got a chance to watch them twice this year. Um, and, and they're a team that really has, you know, they they, they when you watch them, you kind of say to yourself, "That's a team that's got a chance to do it." They got a, a guy who's going to make a, who's going to make a bunch of threes and score a 
bunch of points in Makai Mason. Um, he's averaging 16 points on almost 40% shooting this year. Um, and, I mean, it's the school's first time in the tournament in 54 years. I mean, come on. That's that that's enough to get your heart pumping. And people are so proud of their alma maters, their schools. That how could that not be something that really gets you going? Um, Duke's gonna win. Duke's had a lot. Had some struggles this year, but UNC Wilmington really. I mean, the talent is just gonna be too much. Um, I, I love the Northern Iowa Texas matchup. I originally picked uh, Texas. I love Shaka Smart. Looking more into it, I really do like Northern Iowa. Chris will definitely get your opinion more on that because I know you're a big yeah. Northern Iowa fan too. Uh, Oregon State versus VCU should be fun. VCU's players have experience. Um, they run a they run a tournament style defense. Even though I just kind of knocked it a little bit, they're such pros at it because they've been doing it recently. They got a lot of seniors on the team. Uh, Texas A&M, how good are they playing right now? I mean, they look tremendous. Taking on yeah. Green Bay, that should be an easy victory. And then Buddy Heald and the Oklahoma Sooners are taking on CSU Bakersfield. Um, and, I mean, uh, another game where the 15, if they win, I'll stop watching basketball. But, Chris, I really want to get your opinion on this Northern Iowa-Texas game. Um, what do you like so much about Northern Iowa? What stands out to you that you really think that they can uh, kind of take them down? Well, ironically enough, here in the Pacific Northwest, it has been the weather has been near hurricane-like. It's been raining, sunny, raining, windy as all crap, and that's what reminds me of this Texas team. They are a team where they'll be beautiful one day, and the next day they'll look like it is right here in the Pacific Northwest where I can look out my window right now and see a black cloud just floating over us right now, and it looks like all hell's about to break loose. That's what Texas looks like. They look like a team that can play well one day, and the next day they play like garbage. NIU, all year long, there was a time where they didn't play so great back in January and in early February. But over the last month, Northern Iowa with West Washpun has found a way to get themselves in the Mountain, West, Mountain Valley Conference or uh, Mid, Mid-Valley Conference, whatever you want to call it, NBC. They have found a way to, to really play against some good, comp- good opponents here over the last couple of days. The, the Mountain Valley Conference was, was one of the top ten conferences in all of college basketball. Really, we, we mostly know about the, the top six, top seven, but they're, they're, they're in there. They're in that conversation with the top seven conferences in all of college basketball. And Northern Iowa reminds me a lot of, and I know we talked about this earlier about other teams, but they remind me a lot of a team uh, who's also in another bracket, who's also a sixth seed uh, in Seton Hall. Northern Iowa is not the sixth seed. They're the 11th seed in their bracket, but there's a sixth seed in the Mountain West uh, bracket, which we'll talk about later who has a team like Seton Hall, one player, Wes Washburn, who can really carry this team to not winning, you know, I wouldn't say they get to the Sweet 16, but what's going to stop them? I mean, think about it. If Texas A&M gets to the next round and Northern Iowa is there, Northern Iowa can, can, can take Texas A&M for a run for their money. This team, do not sleep on them. Texas is an overrated number six seed. Honestly, if Texas played the way they played this year in the Big 12 and they played in other conferences, in, in, in t- conferences like the Mountain Valley Conference, I think Texas would, would be ranked – they'd be flip-flopped. I think Northern Iowa could compete in a conference like the Big 12 this year. Would they be good? No. Would they be a below-average team? Texas was an average team in the Big 12. But they would be rather competitive, and I think NIU could find a way to knock them off on any given night. I think Northern Iowa should be the favorite in this one, in my opinion, between Texas and Northern Iowa. And you brought it up. 
I didn't hear your take on Oregon and the 16 seed, but this is one team in Oregon where I am a little skeptical. A lot of the favorites are, are, are pretty obvious favorites in this one. Oklahoma, Texas A&M, Oregon State and VCU is not, a, is not an obvious one. Texas and NIU, as we just talked about, not an obvious one. Duke and UNC Wilmington, I even see that one potentially. UNC Wilmington giving Duke a scare. I think Duke wins. UNC Wilmington gives them a scare. Baylor and Yale. I think Baylor has a chance to win, but they have proven times during the year where they do not look like a tournament team, just flat out. They're number five because they played in the toughest conference in basketball, and they've also looked good over the last week or two. But in reality, they have not been that good throughout the year. Yale, obviously, not anything special from the Ivy League, but who's to say they can't come in and knock off as one of those 12 over fives as, as it's been over the last 10, 15 years now, the 12's always beaten a five in the NCAA tournament. Cincinnati, St. Joe's, a fun one there. Oregon. Again, playing either Holy Cross or Southern. Look, I'm telling you people, I don't think Southern – if Southern beats Holy Cross, because as we've seen Holy Cross win uh, the Patriot League in the level that they did um, as, a, as a bottom – one of the more bottom seeds, they had to come, on, they had to come in through the, the, uh, the play-in game in the, uh, in the Patriot League, and they still won the Patriot League championship game. They're not good enough to compete with Oregon talent-wise. They're not there. But Southern was a team that was in the top four in their conference. And they could compete with Oregon for a majority of this game if they come out, sleep well, have a good day of practice over the next couple of days, and they play well enough. They can compete with Oregon. Oregon is one of those teams where I was a little shocked that they got a number one seed. I'm not shocked at the standpoint that they did, but I still think there's one team out there who should have gotten a number one seed. We'll get to them later. But um, Oregon is is they could be scared. They could get a little bit of a scare from a team like Southern if they get through the first round. But um, anything else about this about this uh, bracket that you want to talk about, Andrew? Yeah, uh, I appreciate the enthusiasm on UNC Wilmington, but have you ever heard the word Hofstra? Yes, yes I have. You've heard the word Hofstra. Hofstra, absolutely. Well, that is, they played in the uh, in the same bracket, right? Right, right. That's the best team UNC Wilmington has beat this year. That's the best team. Right. I mean, that's I. I don't even know how you're gonna go from that's the best team you play and then go step on the floor with Duke. Um, and, and they lost right. to them once, too. They beat them twice, but they lost to them. Um, right. Uh, uh, the, the thing that really worries, worries me about Northern Iowa, and I'll probably go back and forth on this pick a bunch of times, is the Shaka smart defense knows how to target a team that really is one player dependent. Wes Washburn leads the team in scoring and assists, but you look at it yeah. when, let's say, just I'm very close with this example. So how about when VCU played Michigan um, in Michigan's NCAA uh, runner-up year when Trey Burke was there? 2013. He knew he had to stop yeah. the national player of the year, Trey Burke. He, he, he slowed him yeah. down as good as he could, and it had to take Mitch McGarry. It took Tim Hardaway Jr. having good games for for that VCU team to even stand a chance, and they, they still lost by 25. But I'm getting off topic because I like talking about that team because that was the favorite my favorite team ever but you know he knows how to slow down a single player and when that team doesn't have the Mitch McGarry or the Tim Hardaway Jr. that's when Texas is really looking good because if West Washburn if they get West Washburn's head or if West Washburn's just off look yeah. how Texas could win that game by 20 30 points um now I think right. if you you and I does win it's going to be really close and I think it, it probably is going to be closer because West Washburn is that good but is one of those things that really makes you nervous when you're you – know, everybody tries for a perfect bracket. I mean, every game you get wrong right. bugs you, even though you know you're not going to get it. So that's one of those games I'm going to go back and forth on probably 100 times. And yeah. 
I, I, it's just, oh man, I got to see how West Washburn plays again. I got to go watch some tape. I got to look at some stats against high pressure defenses. Yeah. That's one I'm going to go all in. I'll probably spend an hour, hour and a half looking up stuff on that one. I'm, I'm excited for it because that's, that's what I look forward to in March. But who knows with that one right now, man? Who knows? Well, and another one. Well, and another one that's really tough to decide is VCU and Oregon State. Is is, is Oregon State the product of a really good conference, or is Oregon State just an actually a pretty solid basketball program? And VCU is kind of the same way. VCU coming out of the A10, they played St. Joe's and Dayton all year long. Uh, did, 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 and George Washington was a pretty good team as well. St. Bonaventures. In fact, I, I'll talk about that a little bit later about how they got snubbed. They were my only real snub in the tournament. I'll talk about them later, but. VCU could they be a, could they be in the discussion as being a good team too playing Oregon State those two teams uh, that's a tough one to pick too because who knows between those two I agree with you Duke Duke's going to beat UNC Wilmington but I think UNC Wilmington will find a way to keep it close this Colonial Conference and it's not just for me talking to Jonathan Wagner which by the way I'm pretty sure he's listening to the to the Apple podcast here on CLNS Radio but uh, v, uh, UNC Wilmington will find a way to compete in this in this game uh, will Duke beat them yes I think they'll win by 15. 10 points. They'll pull away late, but I think UNC Wilmington will find a way to keep it close early. Baylor and Yale is another tough one. Look, Ivy League schools have found a way to stay competitive in the NCAA tournament over the years. Obviously, with Jeremy Lin and, 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 uh, and Harvard a couple of three years ago, you know, and then you had another team. I think I think uh, I forget their names, but they but they've found ways to stay competitive. Will they win? No, Baylor's going to win that game. St. Joe's, Cincinnati, that's clearly a toss up, as we know. But this this bracket. This West bracket is one of those brackets where, as you just mentioned it, you're going to have to look back 10, 30, 40, 50 times to really get an idea to see what this is going to be. I can guarantee you tonight I'm going to pick this bracket, and then tomorrow I'm going to look at it and be like, no, nah, i got to change some things up. And then the next day I'm going to be like, no, nah, i got to change it. This is one of those brackets where you're going to have three or four games where you're like, man, uh, what, which way do I go? Oregon State, VCU, I don't know. Texas, NIU, I don't know. Baylor, Yale, that's uh, more Baylor, but that's still tough. But St. Joe's, St. Cincinnati, you better believe that's, that's the definition of a toss-up game. I don't know who's going to win that game. I have no idea who's going to win that game. Um, so there's four games, five games in this bracket that you could say, okay, it, it's, it's a little bit of a toss-up. But in my opinion, and I think this is not just an opinion in, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a personal piece, I think Oklahoma is the flat-out favorite in this, in this conference. How could they not? Buddy Heald is and should be the player of the year in NCAA basketball this year. And Oklahoma has played in some of the more classic ball games all season long. And for them to not even – I know they got the number two seed. But for them to not get a number one seed when a team like Virginia got the number one seed, I don't know what the heck the committee's seeing. When Oklahoma's on, they're, they're, they're the best team in the nation when they're on. They are the best team in the nation when all things are clicking. And if they find a couple of good games in the first round here, because they're going to either play Oregon State or VCU in the second round, after they beat CSU Bakerfield, they're going to go into the Sweet 16 and they're going to play a team like either Texas A&M, Texas, or Northern Iowa. They have it really – they have an easy cakewalk to the Elite Eight. And then once they get to the Elite Eight, they're going to play probably a team like Oregon. Who thinks that Oregon's really going to beat Oklahoma? Really? Or Duke? You think Duke's going to beat Oklahoma? That could, that's probably the best possible matchup in the Elite Eight for that, for that uh, bracket. But you're talking about a bracket where – Oklahoma has a serious cakewalk until they get to the Elite Eight. I don't really know who else is going to compete with them in this bracket outside of Duke or Oregon can't compete with them. If Duke doesn't make it out of the, out of the first couple of first three, four games, they're not going to play Oklahoma. They're not. And then Oklahoma is going to walk right into the final four and they're going to play a team like Kansas once again, where we're going to see another instant classic on a Saturday night, a couple nights before the national championship game. I'm telling you, Oklahoma 
is my favorite in this bracket. What do you think from the West bracket? Who's your favorite? Yeah, I'm, I got Oklahoma coming out. I got Oklahoma in my final four. Um, as yeah. of right now, uh, again, these things can change, but I'm pretty confident with my Oklahoma. But, God, am I rooting for a Kansas – or you know, I'm, I'm sorry – um, am I rooting for an Oklahoma, Texas A&M, and then Oklahoma Duke? I think Oklahoma Duke would be fun. I really, really hope you'd get to see two of the top five picks in Brandon Ingram and Buddy Heald just yeah. duke it out. Oh, um, no oh that ended. Um, that would be that would be a lot of fun. But I do have Oklahoma uh, coming out of the, coming out of the West. Yeah, I think that'll be. Uh, I think they really are the true favorites in that in that uh, in that bracket to come out. Obviously, Duke could do it. Texas A&M could do it if they get hot. But again, o- Oregon could too. You never know. But I really, this this top four are really the t- through the four teams that could come out. But it, it really is a coin toss between those uh, those three teams and Duke, Oklahoma, and Texas A&M. And obviously, Oregon could do it too. But I, I'm just not big believers in that program overall. Let's go to the next. Let's go to the next bracket. Our, our top right, if you look at the bracket and you look at the overall seedings and everything, the top right, the eastern bracket, this bracket is fascinating to me. I, I really like how they set it up. I really do like it. It's, it's, it's an intrigue bracket to me. There's a lot of potential upsets in this bracket that could come through. Um, and this is another potential uh, 16 versus 1 team that could happen. And, and, it, and it, I'm not saying it will. I don't think there will be a 16 that beats a 1, but you never know. The chance is always there, especially these days in college basketball. UNC plays the winner of Fairlane Dickinson in Florida. Yes, Florida Gulf Coast. They could play them again. And think about this. Florida Gulf Coast back in 2013 had one of the greatest runs we've ever seen in NBA, not NBA history, but, but, but basketball history. A team that was ranked, what were they ranked, Andrew? Like they were the 15 seed? They were a 15 seed yeah, that got all the way to the – what was that? Yep, 15 and took out number two, Georgetown. Exactly. And I'm not sitting here and saying UNC won't beat them. They will. But don't be shocked because, remember, it's only been three years. Three years ago, there were some freshmen on that team that I can guarantee that are still there at Florida Gulf Coast. And you're looking at a situation where if they beat Fairlane Dickinson, and if they beat Fairlane Dickinson bad, which I wouldn't be shocked if they did, you're looking at a situation where you're looking at a team that did it three years ago. Who's to say they can't make history again? And number one, they've been in this situation before. They've been heavy underdogs. No one thought they had a chance. And now they have a chance to potentially do it in UNC if they beat Fairlane Dickinson. If they don't, well, then clearly Fairlane Dickinson can do it too. But I don't think the chances are there, so to say, with that. But then you have USC, Providence. Eh, I think one of those two teams will win. Obviously, one of those teams will win. But when they play in the next round against UNC, I just don't see that being a chance. But UNC, Providence is a fun one to watch there. Indiana, Chattanooga, look. 5-12 matchup, Indiana and Chattanooga is an interesting one because Chattanooga is one of the better uh, small conference teams to win their conference tournament. They, they were the outright team that got it done in the regular season in the Southern Conference and in the ter- conference tournament. Look, when teams dominate, small teams dominate their conference tournament and their conference regular season, that is a clear-cut favorite to get it done and a team that can compete in the NCAA tournament and a team deservedly so – in the conversation to compete with pretty much any team. Now, will they win? Probably not. They probably won't beat a team like Indiana. Indiana has been very good this year, but you also can't debate that the big 10 has been very flip floppy all year long. And the team who won the conference tournament in the big 10 now is Michigan state, who I think is the most talented team in that, in that, in that conference. But Indiana has been up and down all year. Who's to say Indiana can't come out against the Chattanooga team and they lay a dud 
and Chattanooga finds a way to eke it out. It could happen. I could see that happening. Kentucky, a young team who I think has figured it out now. I picked them to win the SEC tournament. They did. Uh, Coach Calipari always finds a way to get the young guys who mature quickly, find a way to get into a system and win. They play Stony Brook. Stony Brook's another tough team who's really, really good. Um, in a small conference. They won the America East flat out in the regular season and in the conference tournament. They dominated. Uh, who's to say Stony Brook can't compete with Kentucky? That's another ear-scratcher to think about one. Xavier versus Weber State. Weber State, another one of those teams that dominated in their conference tournament and also won in the regular season in the Big Sky. Um, then you also have Xavier also. They just lost in the, in the, Big, East champ, in the Big East tournament, and they were a team favored to be a top-ten team. I think they'll beat Weber State. But who's to say Weber State can't come out and get on a hot start and shock Xavier early on? Wisconsin Pitt. Wisconsin has been has had the toughest schedule in college basketball, and they have found a way to still navigate their way to a pretty good seed and a pretty good position playing a team like Pitt. If Wisconsin wins and they go on and they play Xavier, who's to say Wisconsin can't compete with Xavier and beat them? That's a huge matchup there. West Virginia, Stephen F. Austin. Stephen F. Austin a team who just absolutely annihilated their regular season, and they were handed a 14 seed. I honestly think it's a little bit of a slap in the face, and I understand Stephen F. Austin played in the Southland, a very Christian, uh, religion-based conference there, a very small one, and I'm aware that West Virginia played in the Big 12. I get it, but West Virginia has been another one of those teams like Indiana who has been up and down all season long. They are very talented, very good. But Stephen F. Austin could come in if they're on a hot streak, and they could just absolutely wipe West Virginia off the floor. It could happen. Will they do it? I don't think so. The chances are, slow, are low. But Stephen F. Austin could wipe the floor with West Virginia if they come out and play a bad game. And then Notre Dame plays, yes, the winner of Michigan and Tulsa. And I told you, Andrew, you were telling me all week, I don't think they're going to get I don't know. I don't know, man. I think they're going to get I don't know. They got in. They got in as a play-in seed. Michigan will play Tulsa in that 11th spot to play Notre Dame, which is fun because when was the last time Michigan and Notre Dame played in something that mattered? I mean, think about it. It's a long time. And they could do something and play in the first round of the NCAA tournament between one another. I'm telling you, I'll be sitting at my girlfriend's house watching that one. No debate there as Notre Dame and Michigan should square off in the first round there. As Michigan State looked very, very good in the first round of the NCAA, of, of the uh, first couple of rounds of the Big Ten tournament. They were very impressive, and that is the reason why they got in. They should, they should have gotten in. They did get in, and they're in now, and now they're going to prove people wrong against Tulsa, dominate Tulsa, and they're going to play Notre Dame. And honestly, I wouldn't be shocked if they beat Notre Dame. I wouldn't. They've proven they can play good teams, play them tough, play them down the stretch, fundamentally beat you to death. Even if they're down by eight points with five minutes to go, they can find a way to, to just scratch and claw their way back in ball games. And who's to say Michigan can't beat Notre Dame? And then they play a team like West Virginia, who is inconsistent, or Stephen F. Austin, who's a small team, and they get their feet underneath them, and they can win that too. And all uh, the next thing you know, Michigan finds themselves in the Sweet 16. It's happened before in these playing games. We've seen playing teams get into the NCAA next round, the Sweet 16. We've seen it before. It could happen again with Michigan. Andrew, what's your take on this Eastern bracket as I just broke it down? Yeah, Providence is my – if there was going to be a seed lower than eight that made it all the way to uh, the final four, I think it's Providence. Uh, I'm a huge fan of Chris Dunn. I think I've said it on the show before. I I think this guy's special. I think he's going to be a very, very good NBA player. Um, I, I do actually have them losing the UNC, but just if if they found a way to win that game, I think they're definitely a threat to the Elite Four. Um, I, I think the team to watch out for specifically that really has the highest chance 
um, is Kentucky. Um, they're not as talented as before, and this was said on the CBS broadcast, and I couldn't agree more. This is the best coaching job John Calipari has ever done, and it's yeah. not even close. It's it's not even close. Um, Scalabus here has been a, a massive, gigantic disappointment. Um, Jamal Murray has been fantastic. That guy's a top ten pick, well-deservedly so. Probably closer to top seven, top six. Um, point guard with size who can shoot the three ball. I love his game. Um, but but the way John Calipari has handled this season has, has been masterful. And, and I am not a fan of John Calipari's coaching ability. I think he would flop in the NBA. Um, but Michigan, Michigan, Tulsa, Michigan should win this game. They're still going to have momentum, even with that loss to Purdue. Uh, they now know what they're capable of. Um, and they have a player on that team in Duncan Robinson, who's the type of player who can win you big games because that guy can shoot the freaking lights out, okay? Division three guy the first three years, John Beeline, just, he finds these white guys who can shoot threes all the time. He found Nick Stauskas, a, a one-star from Canada. He found Duncan Robinson, a, a three-year Division three player. Um, and if he got hot, he could win them a couple games in this tournament. Along with, let's say, uh, or if they if they do play Notre Dame, Demetrius Jackson against Derek Walton. Derek Walton is one of the better perimeter defenders in in college basketball. He's a little bit smaller, but he's he's still you know he can he can put the locks on anybody. And that's why I think they stand a chance. Um, SF Austin worries me. I, I, this is what happens every year. Just for example, three years ago I picked Harvard to win. They lost. The next year they won. Um, after that yeah. I picked SF Austin to win. Last year they lost, and now it's going to happen again. I can't remember who it was five years ago and four years ago, but I know it happened to me. Um, so they're the team that worries me, but I do think West Virginia is going to come out. I think West Virginia is going to do big, big things in this tournament. Uh, Elite Eight, Final Four potential with, with the Havoc defense they run. Um, but I think this has potential to be the funnest uh, funnest region uh, yeah. out of all of them. I think the East, I think how the committee wanted to set up the East this year from when I keep looking at it, the way these teams sparkle. Like, I mean, I'm telling you, USC Providence, obviously USC's got the tradition of, of a program, you know, maybe not basketball, but just as a, as a campus, they're, they're just tradition-laden. Indiana's Chattanooga, I mean, two, one small school, another school that probably shouldn't have done much in the Big Ten, but did this year in Indiana, Kentucky, Stony Brook. Stony Brook was dominant this year in their conference. Weaver State, dominant in their conference. Chattanooga, dominant in their conference. Stephen F. Austin, dominant in their conference. I mean, you've had four dominant small program bases that dominated their conference that are coming in to play teams that, you know, Xavier was very good this year. And I think Xavier is going to beat Weaver State, but Weaver State, when they're hot, they're a tough team. Kentucky, young, but they're getting better. Stony Brook is, is, can compete with them. They're not going to win. I don't think Stony Brook's going to win. But it's going to be a good game. Chattanooga can compete with Indiana. Could they win? Sure. But will they? I don't know. I mean, it's, it's going to be fun to watch these games in the Eastern bracket because a lot of – I'm telling you, every single, every single game in this bracket could be, a, could be a great game. They could. Now, again, and, we're, and, and each of these – all these games could be. But in reality, I mean, you look at the West bracket. You look at a team like uh, Oklahoma playing CSU Bakerfield. CSU Bakerfield ain't beating Oklahoma. Duke and UNC Wilmington. I know I'm telling you about UNC Wilmington, how they can compete with Duke in a ball game. It can happen, but Duke's going to win, and we know they're going to win. Baylor and Yale, Yale could win, but we know Baylor's going we, Yale, Yale could compete, but we know Baylor's going to win that game. And we know in, a, in at least one or two of these brackets, each bracket, there's going to be one automatic winner, and we know that. In this East bracket, I look at it, and I'm like, 
man, anything can happen in this bracket, anything. And that's what I think the tournament ultimately wants, the committee wants the tournament to be, and they made the East bracket look like that. It is crazy how even playing field this bracket particularly is compared to the rest of the brackets in the NCAA tournament. And I'm really excited to watch it, like you just said, about the Eastern bracket. Anything else you want to talk about the Eastern bracket before we move on to the, 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 the controversial Midwest bracket of the NCAA tournament? Let's talk controversy. Oh my God, Mountain West! Look, the Midwest bracket is is uh, uh, there's a lot of things I have a problem with uh, from from bottom to top. It, it is a it is a very frustrating bracket from the standpoint of look, Virginia is not a number one seed. People, they they are a team that b- before the season was a top five, top ten team coming in. They were pretty good and they did well, very well in the ACC. They did very well in the ACC. I will never say that they didn't, but it's another one of those things where. When you look at them, they play in a they play in a conference where they're favored because the ACC's always been, you know, the one of the dominant conferences in basketball. But when you don't give it to a team, and especially in a year like this where it's just absolutely madhouse crazy with the amount of teams that could have made the NCAA tournament in the bottom portion, and you see a team like Virginia get the one seed when a team like when a team like Michigan State, who has all the talent in and just as tough as a conference if not a tougher conference than the ACC, they win their conference tournament. They play very well despite the injuries they had this season. Remember, Denzel Valentine was out for about a month, and this team still found a way to stay relevant and competitive and still found a way to win the Big Ten championship. When they were about a month ago, they were in the fourth spot in the Big Ten. Look, people, this team, Michigan State, got absolutely robbed. They're the number two seed in this bracket. They're going to play Middle Tennessee, and we're going to see what the ultimate winner is going to be. Virginia's playing Hampton, but – I honestly want to see those teams flip-flop. It really doesn't matter because at the end of the day, Michigan State still has a very, very favorable, you know, route to the tourney, and I think they're still going to come out of this bracket overall. But it is, it is, it is, it is kind of insulting to Tom Izzo and his coaching staff where every single year Tom Izzo puts together an unbelievable uh, run through the tournament. And, and even when his team's not great, he still finds a way to just battle through and get to the tournament. I think it's going to be another year – just like that. Texas Tech plays Butler. Texas Tech is gritty. They are a gritty team, and Butler as well in the Big East finds ways to grit through. Purdue plays Little Rock. Look, Arkansas Little Rock is one of those teams, again, dominated their regular season, dominated their conference tournament, won the Sun Belt. They are there. They're, they're ready to get locked and loaded. Can they beat Purdue? No. They're not big enough. They're not talented enough. They're not there enough. Purdue's going to beat them on side alone, but they can keep it gritty going late into the, thir- late into the uh, second half in that one. Um, Iona and Iowa State, I think Iowa State is a fantastic team, but a lot of teams, people are high up on Iona. Iona won the MAAC Conference Championship. They're hot. They can play and dominate Iowa State. It could happen. I don't think it will, but you never know. It could happen. Dayton plays Syracuse. Look, this is a joke to me, right? How, how does a team like Syracuse, in, in this year of college basketball, where there's so many poor basketball teams that are getting in from higher conferences, higher conferences, Poor basketball teams in higher conferences getting in, and Syracuse gets the nod. Look, you got a team like St. Bonaventure who got who, who got absolutely snubbed, in my opinion, who I believe they won their regular season conference championship, if I'm not mistaken. I'm trying to look for them on my sheet here. i got a big old sheet a, a teams in front of me trying to figure out where they are. But St. Bonaventure this year in uh, – yeah, I can't find them. But they had an RPI of 22, if I'm not mistaken. They had a top 30 RPI in college basketball, and I believe they had 22 victories, if I'm not mistaken. This was one of the best teams in college basketball, 
from a from an outlooker's perspective. And Syracuse got picked because let's just be honest. The committee loves to see the big orange. They love to see the orange men get in. They love to see the orange team get into the tournament and, and just and just play because it's you know it's quote unquote uh, what would you call it? Uh, uh, it's like tradition in a way for them to be in the tournament. And to see it happen is 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 somewhat insulting when you got a team like St. Bonaventure sitting on the outside. Uh, they they won their oh man I can't find their name anywhere. See this is how big my list is, people. It's absolutely insanely big, but it's frustrating to see a team like Syracuse get in. Andrew, what's your take on Syracuse on them getting into the tournament? Well, I I think the the committee looked at the whole season, and when you really do look at the whole season, it's not as asinine as it, if you look at really the end of the year. I mean, right. the team. Uh, they beat Texas A&M. They beat Duke. They beat Notre Dame by 15 points. Um, now they lost twice. And, and if you look at their losses, let's see, lost twice to Notre Dame, lost to Virginia, to Louisville, and lost to Miami. That's five of their 13 losses. Um, now, do I think they should be a 10 seed? No. Do I think they should be in the tournament? No, I don't. But I think there is a case to be made for Syracuse um, with some some impressive wins. Uh, two wins versus top 25, like I said, and, and, you know, Notre Dame at the time wasn't top 25, if I'm not mistaken. Either Notre Dame or Duke wasn't. Um, but, you know, I, the more I look at them, the more I understand. Um, Bonaventure, like he said, probably more deserving. But I, I don't think it, it's as absurd as it seems when you first take a look at it, the deeper you dig into it. Um, now, I think the committee <laughs> – uh, with this, with this region, gave Mich- did Michigan State a favor by not giving them the one? Yes. If you look right. at, at their their trip, the best possible team they would have to play in their journey to the Elite Eight would be Utah. Utah is a, a, right. a good team with a top ten pick uh, at center, and, and they can definitely give you problems. But I mean, look at Virginia would have to play either Purdue or Iowa State. Um, Xavier, a two-seed, other where would have to play either West Virginia or Notre Dame. Uh, how about UNC? Would have to play Kentucky, Indiana, Providence. Um, Oklahoma would have to play Texas A&M or Northern Iowa or Texas. Oregon would have to play Duke or Baylor. So um, it might have just been one of those things where it was like, okay, we're going to make you a two-seed, but we're going to give you the best possible uh, route that yeah. that two-seed could be. Um, I, I don't think the difference between a one and two-seed is that big of a deal. Um, no, it, overall, it's, no. it's just title, really, and you'll have maybe one game that's a little bit harder, but it's really not changing much. Um, but it's always nice to have that one seed get the respect to that. But the two seed, easier route, less pressure. Uh, I think it could end up being a really good thing for Michigan State here. And St. Bonaventure played in the Atlantic 10. My apologies to everybody. They didn't get in. BCU did, Dayton did, and St. Joe's did. But St. Bonaventure didn't, and they were one of those teams in that four area of the A-10 that should have gotten in. George Washington was talked about potentially getting in. Obviously, Davidson was talked as well about potentially getting in. But it's, it's, it's fascinating to see a team like Syracuse get in. When I would say this. Over the last five years, Syracuse has gotten into the tournament in a non – like at least twice over this last five-year period where they have not deserved to be in the NCAA tournament. Yet they get in because they're Syracuse. And, and I love Syracuse. I actually got accepted to Syracuse when I was younger, when I was going through my high school process. I didn't go because I got free tuition at a school that I eventually went to, which was a Division three University of Puget Sound out here. I got free tuition, and it was, it was like 
40000 a year to go to school there. So I was pretty grateful. But Syracuse would have given me a chance to go there. They accepted me. And I have something a little bit attached to that. That's kind of cool that they would accept a kid from the ghetto out in the Pacific Northwest. But anyway, my point is I like Syracuse, but I don't like them being in the tournament. It doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't fit right with me. They, they were not talked about on the national stage at all. They weren't talked about – I never really watched them this year. Whenever I did, I thought they were very average and mediocre. And it just bothers me that the team like St. Bonaventure, who had an RPI the way they had it, on top of it, the way they played – in their conference tournament, the way they played all year in their conference, they just kind of kind of rubbed me the wrong way a little bit. But outside of that, overall, I feel like the, the committee got it right for the most part. Outside of that one uh, debacle, I feel like they got it right. I, I, I don't find a problem. This is one of those years where you're going to have debates literally anywhere to get certain teams in because the, I'm telling you, and I told Andrew this about, you know, uh, I believe on Friday or even off the air, look, this could be a year where you could have multiple playing games for the tournament. You could have, like, Instead of a first four, you could have like a first 20. You could have 20 playing games, and I don't think anyone would be upset. It's that crazy close. It's that crazy intense. But then you start watering down the sport, and you start watering down what the tournament should be about. And that's if, if all I'm upset about is St. Bonaventure not getting in playing Syracuse, and that's the 69th best team in the country, well, then what am I really complaining about? I'm complaining about nothing. So ultimately, if that's my only complaint, then I think we're doing pretty good. Utah – Fresno State play one another in the, in the first round as well in, in the mid, Midwest region. And also Seton Hall and Gonzaga. Look, Gonzaga is about six hours away from where I live in Spokane, Washington, the east side of Spokane, right next to Idaho. And it is, it is a campus that is very tiny and very secluded and by itself and very private school-esque. And it's, it's one of those interesting places in Spokane to go to. Um, and they've made the tournament 18 straight years. And they're making it as an 11 seed, which, again, I think they deserve higher. But, again, you could say that a lot about a lot of teams. Seton Hall. This team, and I mentioned, mentioned it earlier about Northern Iowa. This team reminds me a lot of UConn from 2011 when Kemba Walker led that team to the national title. For those of you that don't know, I picked the national championship two years in a row with, with UConn and Kentucky in 2011 and 2012 before the tournament started. And I wasn't doing radio at the time, so I couldn't boast about it, but I can boast about it now. Anyway, I was right about Kemba Walker in that whole bracket. Everyone called me crazy because they were like, oh, Kemba Walker is just one player, and that's not a whole, you know. No, Kemba Walker was an assassin in college, people. He was a straight-up assassin. He did not care when he was on the basketball court, and he was nasty with it. Same with a guy like Isaiah Whitehead. For some reason, this guy has not been projected as a big pick in the NBA draft or what have you. He is going to prove it in this tournament. He's going to go out. Seton Hall is going to dominate Gonzaga, and Isaiah Whitehead's going to have 30. Something like that's going to happen. He is going to come out and be the face of that team, and he's going to dominate just like he dominated the Big East. Just like he dominated the Big East, Seton Hall has got a big chip on their shoulder. I feel like from the perspective of they weren't getting the respect in the Big East, that teams like Xavier and Providence and Butler and all these other teams that have gotten, gotten uh, you know, obviously the winner, Villanova, Villanova didn't win it, but, but you know what I'm saying. When it comes to those other teams, they all got somewhat of a national recognition. Seton Hall was seen as kind of the other team. They were never ranked. They were never this. They were never that. Now they're heading into the NCAA tournament, and they're seen as a team that I'm telling you people, after winning a conference tournament, you're, especially a big conference tournament, your motive changes. Your, 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 your personality changes. Everything kind of changes about you. And when you're still underdogs going in, because people are looking at Gonzaga and saying, oh, man, they have all this historical to being underdogs and this and that, and they've been in 18 years, and they're, they're probably a team that should beat Seton Hall. Seton Hall, think about this. Their road, they play either Utah or Fresno State in the next round. 
And then they'll play, I don't know exactly who they'll play after that, but they don't have a very brutal stretch going down the, going down the stretch in this, in this bracket. Yes, Michigan State will be waiting in the wings. Virginia will probably be waiting in the wings. You'll have one of those two teams there. But Seton Hall could still beat a team like Virginia. Virginia is a very small team. They're great defensively. They're a really good team. They're a top-10 program. But, but Seton Hall has a couple of players where you could say, okay, they have a chance to do something big. So look out for a team like Seton Hall. They can make a big-time run in the NCAA tournament moving forward. Andrew, you there? Yeah, yep, yep, still here. Anything about the I East love, that you want to – excuse dude, me, the, the Midwest? Real quick, real quick. I, I, I think Isaiah Whitehead is a special player. I am with you 100% on board with that. Every something like 24 points a game in the conference tournament. If Seton Hall is not on your radar, watch out, because that could be a team that upsets their way all the way to the Final Four. Absolutely. I think that could potentially happen, and we'll talk more about that stuff tomorrow. But one thing before we get out of here, obviously we just broke down a lot of these tournaments or in the, in these brackets in this tournament that obviously is getting started on Thursday. Well, technically it's getting started on Tuesday, but the big portion starts on Thursday. Um, the one thing I want to talk about before we get out of here, and we'll give you more insight as, as, as the days go on, obviously episode 92 tomorrow at, uh, at, at uh, 12 p.m. noon. Uh, we'll get more insight about some of these things as we move forward and give you some updates and things like that. Um, but, but Andrew has a way of picking the tournament, and I have a way of picking the tournament that, um, that I feel like we should really that people should implement when it comes to picking their games. Because some people just pick them randomly. Some people pick them because they hear things on the media. But there's really hardcore evidence of things to really go by. And, and really kind of a formula to go by to pick teams to win the national championship. This year is tough because obviously there's a lot of, there's a lot of parity. But from the standpoint of, you know, when you look at the numbers and you look at the, the eye test, when you have this opinion on things, it'll really help you decide on how to pick your tournament and how to do well or at least have an idea. And if you don't want to listen to us, that's great. You'll probably beat us in the tournament. But the point is, is it gives you an idea of what to look for when choosing your bracket from a more in-depth perspective. Andrew, what is your way and what are like the three main reasons for picking the games you pick as you go forward picking your bracket? Yep, I, I've lived and died by this since I went. I finished 98th in the world on ESPN in uh, 2012, um, the year Kentucky yeah. won. Um, but uh, my my number one thing is three-point percentage, both sides, how you guard it and how you score it. Um, that's, that's huge. Uh, if you're going to make a bunch of threes and you're going to hold them from not making a bunch of threes, then you got a very good formula because three is greater than two. Just go see the Warriors and their record. Um, my other thing is rebounding, to be able to grab rebounds, period. Um, you don't want to base it solely off rebounding, which I've caught myself a couple of times doing. I had Texas going really far uh, last year because I loved Miles Turner. Turner um, and uh, who's the other big guy over there? Uh, Ridley, I believe. Yeah, I believe um, so. Love, yeah. love that combo. And then my number three thing is turnovers. Again, both sides. Uh, specifically, really, I guess the best player, and this 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 is a big thing for upsets. If a low seed causes a lot of turnovers, you look at the best guy on the other team, and if they turn the ball over a lot, the dominant ball handler. If they seem like a team that can get shook by by that, turnovers are huge. So three point percentage, rebounds and turnovers both ways. Those are my big three. Um, I am all analytical when it comes to the, the tournament. 
Um, I, I, I mean, obviously, I'll have bias. I'll have. I'll just look at a team and say, well, they just have more talent. It's that simple. But statistics, um, uh, like like the three I just gave you, are are my main keys in looking for victory. I'm more of a eye test person. Look, I mean, and you just said it yourself, 98th in the world in 2012, picking it. The uh, the year Greg Oden went to the uh, the national championship playing Florida, um, I had three of the four final four teams getting in. I was 16 years old at the time, and I knew those three teams were going to get in, or at least three of those four teams were going to get in based upon momentum itself. And Ohio State was heavily picked. I thought they would over – overwhelmed themselves because of Mike Conley and Greg Oden. They were huge, huge, huge favorites to do big thing. I thought the I thought the spotlight would get too high on them, and I thought they would lose early. In fact, I picked them to lose in the first round, which was stupid because they were a one seed that year. And I believe all number one seeds got to the Final Four that year, if I'm not mistaken. So it was one of the easier years to pick. But I had Florida winning the national championship game, and I had all I had three of the four Final Four teams getting there, and I knew it because I just it's just one of those years. Uh, this is one of those years where I don't see all number one teams getting. I don't see the all getting there so that's why I go off momentum I go off talent I go off the teams that have the most talent on their team you bring up the analytics portion of it and may and that will definitely help with the talent scouting if you look at teams like Michigan State and you look at teams like uh and you look at teams like uh, we just mentioned Seton Hall with one guy in Isaiah Whitehead Isaiah Whitehead has immense talent, but if he turns the ball over a lot, it's going to be really tough to pick them going deep. They can win one game, they can win maybe two, but once you get deeper into the bracket, those tournaments, those those turnovers, that shot efficiency, that ability, that's where analytics become very, very important. Um, I also picked, like I said, uh, and the reason why I say momentum is ever since, uh, ever since uh, Connecticut won the national championship in 2011, I have looked at the tournament and I have said, look, if, if Kemba Walker won player, and obviously they had a bunch of other players as well on that team. But if one player can really boost this team's momentum and this fire going forward, you talk about an opportunity to go deep. Look at a team like Northern Iowa. Can I, Northern Iowa win the championship? No, they don't have that talent. They don't have that ability. But they have a team, they have an ability to go deep. They can win a game against Texas. They can win their next game, get to the Sweet 16. They can do that. And that will decide a heavy portion of your bracket early on. Um, and that's why I go with momentum. With talent, obviously, reasons because that's that's just the way that's just the way college basketball works. You have high talent, you get high seeds, you get high rankings, you go higher into the tournament, and you win championships. That's how it works. Um, a last one I wanted to mention, and I probably forgot it from earlier, but it's coaching, really. And I know coaching has been unbelievable. I know it's been great. But look at a team like Michigan State over the last uh, 15, 20 years. They haven't won a lot of national championships. They have gone to a lot of Final Fours, and it's all because of Tom Izzo. Look at a guy like Tom Izzo. He has been unbelievable. Whether his team's ranked seventh, whether his team's ranked 10th, whether his team's ranked third, first, second seed this season, he always finds a way to get them to go deep. Kansas, a good example, they are a team that has only won one national title in the last – in a while. And they have been known – to go with the same with Bill Self, they have known to choke early in the tournament. So it's going to be hard to pick them to go deep, even though, in my opinion, they're one of the more favorites to win it all. And that's not just because they're the, the, the perennial number one in the, in the nation. It's just because of the talent they have, the momentum they have, winning the conference tournament, winning the conference regular season, dominating, in, in my opinion, one of the best, if not the best conference in all of college basketball, but it doesn't mean anything come tournament time because they've known to choke in the tournament when they've done this before. So it comes down to coaching, talent, and momentum. And Kansas has the talent, the momentum, but do they have the coaching? 
it's up in the air. I mean, the last time they won was when they beat a team that, you know, unfortunately had some uh, some sanctions put on them after the whole, you know, the Derrick Rose thing happened against Memphis. But they still would have won the title. They were they were better. They won the game, all that stuff. But but coaching has been proven one one way or the other in in conference in in, uh, in the NCAA tournament before. And if you have the coaching to go far, you're going to do well. Look at VCU. They did great with Shaka Smart. Shaka Smart's on Texas now. Texas can beat Northern Iowa, and they can go a little further than maybe we expect. That's one of those blow up games where if Texas wins, I can see them going a little bit further than we expect. If Northern Iowa wins, I can see them going further than we expect for different reasons: coaching and talent. And one player will, will out win the other, and momentum. It's, it's, there's, but there, but as we mentioned, analytics, eye test, RPI, strength of schedule, whatever you name it, it really doesn't matter, especially in a year like this year in college basketball, because it is so even and so ridiculously just there's so much talent everywhere i mean you have small schools that are small for a reason because they don't have the best talent but when it comes to momentum when it comes to the ability to compete against high schools chattanooga stephen f austin arkansas little rock you got teams like you know weber state these small schools don't necessarily have the best talent but they know what it takes to win and that's what makes these tournaments so incredible especially early on in the first weekend which is coming up here in three days four days now you talk about momentum and talent and ability to make games entertaining and never quit, never die. You see the true, the real. I can't think of a better time, Andrew, where there, you see the definition. If, if there is a definition of, of sportsmanship, competitiveness, heart, when it comes to the sports document, March Madness, uh, when it comes to every great picture of March Madness should be on the cover of that book. Because that is what sports is. We are in a time where sports now, at this point in time of the year, literally is, it is the best time to witness what sports is all about. Underdogs, uh, you know, young guys getting really excited. Uh, you're seeing what sports is, 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 is at its best and at its essence is March Madness. And today was just the beginning. Obviously, the process began about two weeks ago with conference tournaments beginning, and now all those conference tournaments are seated, all those automatic bids, that large bids are in. It's that time of year, man. It's a great time to be alive and to watch the world of college basketball. Anything else you want to say, Andrew, before we slowly kind of take our way off the air and get ready for tomorrow's show? Yeah, make sure you go subscribe to the YouTube The Hoopers Log. It's that simple. Go click subscribe. I'm going to be making a do's and don'ts video for filling out your bracket tomorrow. So make sure you check that out. I hope I can help you out a little bit. Um, I'm sure we'll also make some type of video actually showing us our bracket filled out. Um, many other things. 2K, Chris posts his quick hitter every night. whole bunch of stuff that you can check out on there. We're only going to have more and more as time goes on and we get more viewers. Um, also, join join the Hoopers Log Tourney Bracket Challenge. You win, you're coming on the show uh, to, to rub it in our faces. Uh, we're also going to try to get you some sweet prizes. Um, just just go make sure you do it. Uh, go blue. And as I say every time, peace. All right, everybody. That is your special Selection Sunday special, and Episode 91 is in the books. And as always, we are doing our show Monday, Wednesday, Friday on the Hooper's Log, and we will get it off started off tomorrow at 12 p.m. Eastern. So we got about a minute left on the show. Again, episode 91 in the books. As Andrew said, go check out the YouTube channel. Go check out what we're about, and go start filling out your bracket and looking up your research and getting it going. My name is Simo Buckets here on CLNS Radio through the Seat Geek Studios. 
on a Sunday, March 13, 2016. The tournament is now set up and ready to go. Get your research going and get it going and start filling out those brackets and start talking crap to your, your friends, your employees, your all that. It's going to be a fun time. This is the best time of year when it comes to sports. Thank you again for listening, everybody. Enjoy yourself and go watch the basketball over these next this next week, week and a half. It's going to be unbelievable. And enjoy the tournament. The best three weeks in all of sports. Thank you again, everybody. Enjoy yourself. Go take some rest. Get some rest. Enjoy yourself. If you're listening to the podcast, thank you again for listening to the podcast. We will have our podcast up tomorrow and our live edition tomorrow, 9, p, 9, 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 p.m. Eastern. Thank you for listening. Have a great day, everybody.